Present, Allison. Yes, ever present for the first time in three weeks. <laughs> uh, our best boy, Pat. I am here for like three weeks in a row. I think. Ooh, that's very good. that's a that's a good streak for me. And uh, our guest, uh, uh, my best man, Theo. Mm-hmm. Hello, I've been here every single episode. None of you knew. <laughs> I was here in the background all along. I'm the most consistent member. Including the episodes where we had, where we actually did show our faces. I assume you were yeah. just hiding under Sam's desk. Yeah, yes. if you go back and review the tapes, you'll see just like little, like little shadows in the background. Yeah. Well, actually, Sam was sitting on top of me. He didn't have a chair that week. I was just crouched for the majority of the episode. So, yeah. Uh, can you see a chair? I just squat. Exactly. That that tracks because you weren't doing CrossFit when we started this show, which means you were probably sitting on Theo during that time. And since we moved to just uh, Mario Party, and you've been CrossFitting. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, we have a somewhat loosey goosey episode this week because there's very few of us, and uh, half the podcast is drinking, at least. No, like uh, I don't, I don't. Uh, so I'm drinking. A beer, also, but. So oh, it's the never one of the podcast. I haven't been drinking though. That's the difference. Uh, Alison, what's that a canister of? That looks suspiciously beer-like oh, to me. Diet Coke. Oh, that's Sorry. a weird can. What the hell? Sorry to disappoint you. I have a beer. It's and like I'm you're in a different country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, to be fair, they're relatively new cans. They've only been around for mm-hmm. like eight months, I think, ish. Something like that. Um, I'll be having a beer after the podcast, so. Some some of you will be drinking before the podcast, some of you during, and some of you some of us after. What about so. all of the above? <laughs> That's me. You've got it. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I'll introduce Theo very very lightly. In the Theo and I lived together for four years, so mm-hmm. he's put up with me longer than all of you. Yep. Uh, he he's the most people, person yep. to have lived with me and Fiona because Fiona lived with us for about three or four months towards mm-hmm. the end of our time together. Um, I've definitely seen more of his body than most people, and more than I'd want to. <laughs> I mean, that's. I think we can all say that, though, right? Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Thanks, everyone. Sorry, Sam. It's just. Best episode ever. I guarantee you, you're probably in the best shape of anyone on the podcast normally, except for maybe Alex. Yeah. I, I don't know whether Alex is in really good shape or not, but I had this feeling that he is. I just assume he's really good at, like, literally everything that a human could be good at, which would include being in shape. He's Captain America, then. Yeah, yeah. except he's right. Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's straight edge. But, like, I assume he's there's, only, there's only a few ways to one-up Captain America. One of them is being Captain Canada, so... Because mm-hmm. Captain Canada has free healthcare. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. 
Um, okay, so uh, as I said, Lucy gives the episode, so we're not really going to be following the usual format where we talk about a few things and then we do a quiz, mostly because uh, most of the quiz participants are not here, mm-hmm. so I didn't feel it was super fair. Mm-hmm. Um, although I guess it is their fault more than anything. I'll just give you guys like five points each for the episode itself. Yay! I mean, I was missing for two weeks, so... Give me the same amount everybody's had in an all-cumulative episode so far, and I think that's fair. (laughs) Well, you were here on every episode. You got every answer correct. Oh, that is true, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, let me stick with my total points, a.k.a. I'm the winner already. Thanks. We're still going to lose to Erica, too. (laughs) Yeah. Somehow. Somehow always win. So the one thing I thought we could talk a little bit about is video games that we have played. Yay. So yes, yeah, video games not a rolling trash fire right now. Uh, they kind of are, but we'll have, we we don't have to go there. <laughs> Some of them are. Some of them are not trash fires. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah, I figure we don't need to give our political opinions on certain very very shitty arena net firings and things like that that everyone else has delved into. I'm, but I, I think I love the way that you slid that opinion in. And I think that we can, as a, a, a unit, accept that description and so, move on. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then I thought maybe if we have time left, after we've talked about games we played, we could talk about games we are looking forward to for the rest of the year. Yeah, um, I like that. Just kind of maybe everyone pick something that they're hype on. Um, I know I gave you guys no warning, but Lucy Goosey episode. Yeah, it doesn't have to be your number one favorite thing, just something you are excited about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Games um, coming out, out in print. <laughs> <and feed. laughs> oh. No, I'm definitely going to Google that <laughs> in between uh, talking. I got a... Here. Oh, yeah, sure. That's elsewhere. Um, don't worry, mate. I want it. So, uh, I think we should start with Alison today because I've not heard you talk about video games for a while. So, Alison. Cool. So, I've been playing a game that I like to call Octopath Traveler, and everybody else likes to call it that too. Um, I haven't had a chance, (laughs) because that's the name of the game. Uh, I haven't had a chance to play very much of it, uh, mostly because it came out yesterday, and I had plans yesterday night and this morning. Um, So, really only played a few hours of it so far but i am really liking it in a in a way that i don't even know if i was expecting to um especially since a lot of i i didn't really get that uh deep into bravely default and i'm like i feel like a lot of jrpgs are kind of hit or miss with me so but like the, the few hours i've played i am just really interested in octopath traveler and i'm really hoping to uh, get past, get further into it. Um, I, this might be the weirdest comparison, and I googled it to see if anybody else has made it, and I haven't seen anybody else make it. But it hits a similar, like, it scratches a similar itch to me that the Paper Mario games do, and I don't know why. <laughs> I think part of it is the aesthetic of it, because it has a yeah. kind of 2D, 3D kind of aesthetic, and then also just like a battle system. That, yeah, and then the battle system is simple, but it has a little bit, like, it has enough strategy to it that it's, it's it just feels very, very easy to pick up, but at the same time, there's there's an amount of thinking about what you're going to be doing to it. So it feels very accessible, simultaneously, like, accessible, but 
deep in a really fun way. Uh, it doesn't have the same kind of humor that Paper Mario does, which is why nobody else has been making this comparison. Uh, but yeah. it's, but uh, but it, it does have a lot of charm to it. I'm 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 interested to pick up all the other characters because um, I've I've just I've been playing as Tressa, who's the merchant, and she her. has a very Ooh, yeah, she has a very sweet story, and she is a very feels very earnest in a in a nice way. And I've just picked up uh, Ulbrich, who's the warrior. So it's it'll be interesting to see how um how the rest of the characters play. And I'm I'm actually really excited to go check them out. But uh, more than anything, I just it just feels very lighthearted and. Like I say this about every single Switch game, but it feels really good on Switch. <laughs> and yeah. it, it seems like it'll be a really nice game to have on the go, especially if I'm taking the bus in the morning and can just kind of go and do a couple of uh, little bit little battles here and there while I'm on the bus. It seems like it'll be a really great game for that. So I I'm just really into it in a way that I really was not expecting. And... Mm. Uh, I'm kind of regretting not getting that uh, the special edition that had the soundtrack because the soundtrack is good. Yeah, yeah it so is. So good. It's very good. Uh, Alison, can I ask? Yes. Were you always a fan of this kind of game? Um, I, 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 I was actually talking about this with my sibling earlier. I feel like games are JRPGs. Uh, Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door is my favorite probably my favorite game of all time. Tales of Symphonia is really great. I mean, I grew up on Pokemon, so it's like I like a lot of those, but I've never really gotten deep into, for example, Final Fantasy. Um, those have never really got, like, it hit with me. And so I feel like I really want to love a lot of JRPGs, mm-hmm. but it, they're just so hit or miss with me. So, it, it, But it always feels great when I find one that just kind of clicks with me in this way. Cool. Um, Alison, I have two really cool questions. So, yeah. number one, <laughs> did you know that all the initials of all the characters spell Octopath? Oh, damn it. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I had no idea I that was a thing. No Not a cool question. Very uncool. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really cool. God damn it. That's true. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, I started with Cyrus and then went down to Tressa. Um, I'm glad that Ulbrich is next on the lineup because uh, I have no tanks. I have two casters, basically. <laughs> um, if you start with Ophelia, so if, I think Ophelia is the first O, and it's like, if you start with Ophelia and go down, you don't get anyone who uses melee weapons for, like, five chapters. <laughs> Which is well, quite funny. Ophelia is the a... hunter? No, isn't Ophelia the uh, Ophelia priest? Is yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, it's interesting the way that uh, the going around... So I, I played the prologue. I have the game ready to go. I just didn't end up having time to play it last night. So um, I have not touched it much at all, um, aside from the three hours of the prologue. So I've played some of it. Uh, I ended up going with... Um, what is her name? The Huntress. Uh, Hannah? Yeah. Ha- yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I went with Hanit and then kind of went around to the east and i've just done the last thing i did was start cyrus's story um and i think that is a really weird and but interesting dynamic of like 
where you go next determines the next character you get and you might need certain things for your party but so far i haven't run into any brick walls where it's like because i didn't get a good party mix i'm screwed and can't win fights but i think it is pretty satisfyingly challenging when you get into some of those boss fights yeah i i, I haven't gotten far enough for it to be that challenging but i i did like kind of take it like the, the first time I was going up against multiple enemies. I was just kind of like, oh, I don't need to pay that much attention. And then suddenly I died because it was just like, they all attacked right away. You just, you do need to pay attention to the order of things. And then the simultaneously, the break in the boost mechanic, I think is really works really well. And that's kind of way that I, yeah. uh, That's like kind of a, a thing from, um, I know it's kind of president persona, but I seem to recall something like that being well, yeah. You, in Bravely Default, you can yeah. go, you can go brave. You can brave. You can yeah, it. right. So it's a little bit different, <laughs> but that's kind of the lineage of that system is the Bravely Default system, and it's yeah. super good. It feels really, really tactical in a way that, like, so I know I, I haven't been into JRPGs for a long time, but I played loads and loads and loads of them for, uh, uh for like all of my youth, all the Final Fantasy games and stuff when I was younger. So um, I got kind of bored of the just back and forth battle system that's present here. But the boost and the boost system is really good and the break stuff is really good. So I think it's yeah. very satisfying to play Octopath. All right, all right chaps, you, you all seem pretty sold on this game. Sure. I'm a yes. deep JRPG cynic. Uh, do you think there's a vague, even a vague possibility it would be for me? Depends on why you're cynical about JRPGs, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some of it's the aesthetic. Some of it is turn-based battling. Uh, not sure turn-based battling is actually my biggest issue with it. Uh, and, and looking at the wiki right now, it, look, it feels Final Fantasy-ish to me. Is that fair or not? So yeah, it's yeah. The painterly style, the, the, the yeah, and reminiscent of, of of older Final Fantasies and the sprite work and stuff like that. The thing I would argue yeah. though is that I think that um, the first of all, if, if for the the discussion is interesting either way, but if anyone's asking mm. themselves that question, listening, I would say just if you can, the prologue demo gives you three hours to try it out, mm-hmm. and it's really yeah. good. Um, so like if you if you don't like those three hours, you're probably not going to like it. But the thing that I think okay. is interesting to I actually think this game is a really good entry point if, for people that either haven't liked JRPGs in the past or um, like, for instance, for me, I used to play them a long time ago, but I haven't been seriously invested in one for years. Um, yeah, it, it, because it's not. I find the hardest struggle with JRPGs often, and this was even something I experienced with like Final Fantasy XV, which technically isn't like a traditional turn-based JRPG. But um, is, that, is that the newer one where everyone's based? It's it's a boy band. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Go, everybody's moving around. Everyone's doing yeah. stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think of that as that sort of thing at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's very different from a gameplay perspective. But mm-hmm. I ran into the same problem that I run into with these types of JRPGs, which is the the story is so convoluted. It's not that it's bad, yeah. but there's a tendency in JRPGs to just go down this really. Like we kind of are in a reductive way joke about it being like anime sort of storylines in that. Oh no, I you know what you mean there. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 very convoluted, and you've got all these weird names, and like, it's 
they're basically retelling the same story in a lot of cases, but it, it's always just with these tons of just, just really hard to follow and really hard to get invested in branches. That's how I've, I've always felt. It, I've often thought it was quite indulgent. And yes, I understand the totally. People go, you need to invest X amount of time to be within it. And I don't think that's... That's that's yeah. that's not that's not a fair defense though. Like it's fine mm -hmm. if you can do that. That's great for you. But yeah. you, I've never found that to be a good critical defense though of the fact that some a lot of times the worlds and stories are hard to get into. So in the case of Octopath, what I found so far is it's and maybe there's a much greater overarching narrative that comes into play. But so far I've seen three of the starting stories, and they're three very distinct short stories is what it feels like mm -hmm. and. So you don't have this 80-hour overarching narrative that tries to puzzle piece all these different factors into place. It's more like, no, this is this character's story. And yeah, you'll have a party of adventurers going on it to solve it, but it feels a lot more personal. Each character's story feels a lot more personal. And I think that's really, really interesting and makes it a lot easier to get invested in the narrative. And it means that if you don't like Hanit's story at all, and go play Cyrus' story, and maybe you end up only liking five of the eight stories... So you play through those, mm -hmm. and that's your time with the game. And you still get a rich experience out of it. So I yeah, think that um, aspect is cool. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I, th I think that like what you're talking about with it being accessible is, is exactly right. Because especially on a story level, I feel like all of this, the, the stories that I've seen so far, they're not... I wouldn't say they're bad. I wouldn't... like Saying they're simple sounds like it's really reductive. But I feel like they're pretty straightforward, but mm -hmm. in a compelling way. Yeah. Um, so you're playing it and you go, okay, I, I get where this character is coming from and what their goal is. And it feels very, it's, 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 it's definitely not convoluted. Um, if, if you're not interested in turn-based battling, I mean, it does have that. And it does have the, have the whole random battle thing, which I'm, I've never really <laughs> loved. That's probably yeah, the only thing about it I don't love, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think that's the one. The Pokemon I think I hate the most. Thinking about, I know it's simplistic, but Pokemon being probably the game with turn-based battling I played the most, being mm -hmm. all Pokemon. Yeah. I hate turn-based, like random encounters, I'm just not on board. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially when in Pokemon when you're in a cave or something and you're just like, oh. I just want to go five steps to the right mm -hmm. and I get hit by like... Gangbang and Zubats, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think that the best system that's um, handled stuff like that is is stuff like Tales of Symphonia, where you're you see all the enemies coming. Yeah. So I think that that works really well, and I wish and I really wish that they would have done that here, but maybe it's just maybe it, maybe I'll, I'll be singing a different tune later when I I've played a lot more of this game. But I, I feel like the battles themselves are so compelling and fun so far that yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm less annoyed with it. It because um, of the sorry, go ahead Sam. Okay. I, I have to say I do like random battles. I, <laughs> I'm kind of upset when um uh, games take them out. Um because I like to be able to grind in spots. So like I'm like, oh I'm near a save point. I'll grind here until I can if I need to be a boss or whatever. Um uh but Cyrus has an ability where he can turn down the frequency of random battles. So That's what I was going to oh. say. Mm -hmm. Get Cyrus. Yeah, there are, there are certain there are well. knobs you can turn around that stuff to make it work a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, you just have to finish chapter one of Cyrus's story and get your second character, and then you can um, slow down random battles. 
You can yep. turn them up with other characters as well, as I understand. And really, the battles tend to feel, rather than being more like... They feel tactical, but they almost feel more like puzzles than they do like mm -hmm. a like a battle in Final Fantasy VII, because once you figure out the vulnerabilities, you kind of look at it, and you can think a few moves ahead like you would, yeah. and you can see the initiative order of who's going to fight next. So you can really get into, like... Um, and this is not... They're not the first game to do it, but you can get into it like, well, yeah, this is a random battle, and I don't like random battles, but here's an opportunity for me to try to win this battle without being touched. How can I puzzle that out? Uh, it's pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> um, really subtle there. <laughs> Extremely subtle. No one even noticed that I went and got a drink. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, that's that's um, in the background. This is great for video slash or anyone who can't see Theo's video. You can see that he's got a leopard skin rain stick on his instrument shelf. It's when you say fun. I. Yeah, okay. I have the min window really small because I'm looking at like four different windows oh. that are all showing the same video to make sure that oh, nothing's breaking. Um, but yeah, so I have, uh, I've played probably more of the prologue demo than I have actually of Octopath Traveler because I played it for about uh, an hour last night and I got and I, and I got Tressa and got to the pirate cave and then I've been playing Captain Toad all morning. Sure. Um, pro tip, don't play Captain Toad on the Switch in docked mode. It's garbage. Yeah? It, oh, has, really? loads of, it has loads of touch stuff. Oh. Um, so if you play it in docked mm. mode, you use the gyroscope in the controller and the ZR button as, like, a mouse and a right click. Oh. Weird. Gyroscope, yeah. That doesn't sound great at all. Yeah, and the gyroscope, uh, mouse, selector, cursor, whatever, is on the screen permanently. And it's like a glowing blue orb, and it just really gets in the way and is extremely annoying. I bet I know why that is like that. Or, like, I bet I know... Do you think that that's like, hey, we're going to make a... Uh, we're going to make... Um... Mario Maker at some point, and so why don't we try out some alternative touch control options on with mm, Captain Toad? Maybe. It seems like a um, opportunity to do that. I mean, having yeah. Mario Maker on Switch seems kind of like a no-brainer, so... The fact yeah. that it's not out on Switch and hasn't been announced on Switch yet, to me, is like, there's no way that Nintendo can release a console without, like, fucking up in one huge way, and they've shown that, like, maybe their online service is gonna be okay, and that's not the fuck up, but not having Mario Maker certainly is. Mm. Uh, so is not having Animal Crossing. Yeah, I think they should have had an Animal Crossing ready to go. The last one came out in 2012. While I agree with you, I would argue... While I agree with you, and this isn't a serious <laughs> argument, I would tell you that the last Animal Crossing game came out in 2017. And you yeah, can download I, it on so your I phone right that. now. <laughs> Look, the last real Animal Crossing right. game came out I, I agree with you, but I think Nintendo considers Animal Crossing Pocket Camp as the last real Animal Crossing game. Mm -hmm. I think that if is... It, if they... it did, it wouldn't be called Pocket Camp. It would be called Animal what? Crossing Camp Zone Fun Time. Mm -hmm. They call the Animal Crossing DS Animal Crossing they, DS. They've, they've clearly crossed the line somewhere in the last three to four years about their strategy of how precious they are about their 
maybe even longer, about their IPs and how they deliver things. They've definitely done something different in terms of how they've embraced mobile and being slightly more loose with their properties. So I, I agree. I think they're more likely to say, no, we've released this. This is the version of this. Yep. Just because it's on mobile doesn't mean... Like Pokemon Quest, I know that they're, that they're always going to think of the various different echelons of Pokemon games, but I don't think they think this is in its own little camp. You do, camp. You don't uh, think about this as an actual proper <laughs> game. It's a pocket camp. Yeah, it is the pocket. Um, no, no, I fully agree. I think they've embraced it. Yeah. Don't mean it's not disappointing. But... Yes, yeah, I agree that it's disappointing, but I think that that's... I think they will do another... I think there will be an Animal Crossing on Switch. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it'll happen for another year or two. Yeah, and That's... it's not like they have to release all their bangers absolutely number one. Considering the Switch has done so fantastically, yeah. it's probably okay for them to hold some of their really biggest IPs for a full, proper, fully-fledged release. Basically, we're waiting for the real Waluigi game. I know, yeah. but... Yeah. What if... Um, I know we are. What if there's a Waluigi game revealed at next year's E3? But I'll it's kill myself. Ubisoft stage, and it's Waluigi plus Rabbids. It'll be the best. Mm. No. Damn. It's Waluigi plus Rabbids. Waluigi plus Rabbids, and it's still the XCOM RPG gameplay, but it's all set in New Donk City, and it's a gangster rises through the ranks okay, yeah. mob boss. Yeah, I'd be okay. into that. But oh, also, also... Tim, why aren't you writing for Nintendo yet? Also... I that game immediately. What if it's Waluigi and Rabbids, but it's like a like, like Overwatch style competitive shooter, and yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Rabbids are different. Mario Kingdom character. <laughs> the rest are just Rabbids. Yeah, exactly. Right, and there can only be one Waluigi per lap per match, and only one and Wario per lap. match. Every... And it's Waluigi. also lap based. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There cool. you go. Waluigi is the map. <laughs> but it's not like Rabbit Mario, Rabbit Peach. It's Rabbit Tracer, Rabbit. Uh, oh, I think Arnold. we've lost the thread. Yeah. Rabbit Diva. I, I mean, I'm still. I Sam, play I'm every game, all of these games that have been talked about today. Sam, sure. I want to fly to the UK and ruin your wedding because you said the words Rabbit <laughs> Diva. Okay. Uh, honestly, I can do that for you. Don't worry. That's fine. Fuck you. <laughs> That's the worst. I'm never not going to think about that. And I play a lot of Overwatch. I'm the true sleeper agent here. <laughs> I, I just love the idea of you like showing up in the middle of the ceremony with this giant printout of, of a rabid diva. And you're just like, this needs to be here. I'm going on Google to see if someone's already done fan art. I guarantee you. Oh, I'm I, sure. I think there's almost zero way. There is not rabid, rabid versions of every Overwatch character. I mean, is, it, is that possible? I think that contravenes every rule of the internet. If 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 that isn't real right now. I mean, I've got something here. <laughs> so I'm looking at the reflection of your glasses, and I don't want to see what you're seeing. <laughs> don't I'm googling it too because I can put it on the I can put it on the stream. Uh, no, that's, that's not. Only the rest of the stream, please. Hentai, yeah. Waluigi, Diva. No, oh, no, that's not. We're not putting oh. that on the stream. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to see that. Oh, thank you. Yikes. No, I don't. I searched rabbit Overwatch characters and I didn't get anything. Wow. Yeah. Disappointing. I feel like the internet has failed us, truly. Yeah. Somebody, anybody know any artists? Rabbit. Yes. Channel. And I'm not Good going to contact them about this. 
Don't don't Google rabid fan art Joker minion. It's a bad scene. God. You know, I oh wasn't boy. On it. Yeah, I <laughs> had never had that thought before, and I'm still. You do now. Oof. I'm going to burn that thought from my brain. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. I just don't need that in my life. Yeah. Yikes. So. What have you been playing, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I can actually talk about two different games. Um, the one that I had planned on bringing uh, is uh, an, a, another diversion to uh, tabletop games. Um, you may recall at one point I brought a, uh, a tabletop game called the X-Wing Miniatures game. Um, so uh, this week I've been kind of oh, rediscovering and picking up the uh, Arkham Horror card game. Uh, have any of you heard about Arkham? Heard of Arkham Horror before? Uh, I've played the board game a decent amount. Okay. Um, yeah, I haven't played the card game yet, though. Yeah, so the board game is—it's uh, a game made by Fantasy Flight Games, are the same people who make the the X-wing miniatures game that I talked about in the past. Um, they're a huge board game producer. They're they're the biggest American board game producer for sure. Um, they uh, so. They also make a series of Lovecraft-inspired games. Uh, the lineage kind of goes back to Chaosium's Arkham Horror, which was published in the 80s. Um, that was a, a board game that was loosely based on Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Um, so in 2005, Fantasy Flight released uh, an updated version of that board game um, that was way more complicated. Um, and since then, they've kind of spun off and made a ton of uh, Arkham Files games that are all just various card games, dice games, board games based on the, the Lovecraft mythos and kind of their interpretation of the Lovecraft mythos, um, which is something that I really love uh, about their products because like, um, like they actually produce some kind of trashy novels that I enjoy even based on it um, because uh, it cuts out a lot of the like problematic parts of Lovecraft's writing. Obviously, he was a racist man and a shitty person. Uh, <laughs> so even as much as I, I like a lot of his work, um, he was he was a, a bad dude, and Fantasy Flight has kind of cleaned up a lot of his concepts, uh, and it's a more inclusive and diverse set of characters that's a lot more enjoyable to, uh, to kind of inhabit. Uh, so anyway, the card game... Um, question number two, have any of you heard about heard of living card games before? I've heard of them, but I haven't really played any. So, uh, Fantasy Flight kind of created the living card game. Um, it's basically an alternative to doing collectible card games. Uh, so, in a lot of ways, it, it's they're similar to collectible card games, but there's no random packs of anything ever. Um, every Basically, you buy a core box, and then with some degree of regularity, monthly, bi-monthly, whatever, they'll release packs of cards that are non-random that you can use to add to your game. So, uh, preamble out of the way, uh, the Arkham Horror card game is a cooperative living card game uh, for one to four players where you kind of play against the board, as it were, although it's all cards, there's no real board. Um, and it's a really neat game. Uh, they just the, the kind of impetus for me getting back into it is uh, they just released a box that revisits the campaign from the 
core box, like the first box that you could buy. So the way the game is structured is uh, you build a deck with uh, themed around an investigator. So I'm playing Ashcan Pete the Drifter right now in my campaign. Um, mm -hmm. There's a number of uh, there's a number of characters. There's characters. Uh, you know, there's like a New Orleans trumpet player. There's a, a British hey, woman trust fund. Uh, name? His name is Jim Culver. Yes, he's my boy. I guarantee <laughs> I played with him in yeah. one of the iterations. Yep. So they, it's all the same characters that they draw from. Um, there's uh, and and so basically you build a, a deck with some deck building rules similar to what you'd see in like a collectible card game, um, and mm -hmm. there it's full of things like. Um, like for example, Ashcan Pete is he. If you've played him in any other Arkham game, you know he always has his dog Duke with him. So he starts with Duke out on the on the board, but then he also will have a deck full of other characters and items, a fire axe or a flashlight or a copy of the Necronomicon, what have you. Uh, so um, you build your deck based around your character, and then there's a scenario that's laid out. Uh, there will be a number of locations that you travel between. Um, excuse me, acts and agendas that uh, you'll play through, um, and then a deck full of nasty things that will hinder you on the way. Uh, so anyway, they released this uh, this box, Return to Night of the Zealot, which is uh, the Night of the Zealot is the name of the first campaign that was in the core box, and it's really, really cool. Um, it's kind of weird because it's not a very good entry point. It kind of is, serves to make the core box harder and as a, a good thing to revisit for people who have played through it a bunch of times. But uh, that aside, it kind of got me to play it again, and it made me realize I have never talked about it on here. And it's a super fun game. Um, so definitely recommend it to anybody who has an interest in Lovecraftian stuff and card games, because it's a really cool, infinitely expandable thing. So far, the campaigns that have come out, they have uh, the Dunwich Horror campaign is the second one, which is, of course, have to, uh, and then a campaign called Path to Carcosa, uh, and then the most recent one is called The Forgotten Age, I think. Um, I haven't played that or Carcosa yet, so, uh, but it's quick, fun. Quick question about that. Yeah. Um, you know you say about the living card game aspect, mm -hmm. and they send you packs every so often? Yeah, so there's a few ways. Um, typically, you'll, you can get them via subscription if you want Generally, the way that it works with Fantasy Flight Living card games, other companies have kind of co-opted this model, and they don't call mm -hmm. them living card games, but it's the same thing. Fantasy yeah. Flights, though, very, very firmly are, um, they release a core box, and then they will release monthly uh, small packs that are $15 a piece, uh, and then every six months or so, they'll put out a larger box that's, say, like... 25 or 30 dollars and it'll come with a big hunk of cards so the idea being that it can still be a little bit expensive to keep up with but uh mm -hmm. the the nice thing about arkham horror is that you kind of only need to buy stuff as you're ready to keep playing it there's not like a competitive scene there are events for it where you show up with your deck and play with other people but since mm -hmm. it's cooperative um you could start with the core box and you don't have to buy like hundred dollars worth of cards right off the bat you could say well i want to buy the core box and now that i've played through the campaign in the core box i want to buy the dunwich horror campaign and start playing through the dunwich packs um mm -hmm. it's nice so it, it expands the cards you can use in your investigator deck too so you could buy them all at once uh so that you have the biggest card pool for making your deck but you don't have to um the it, the problem with lcgs like they also make a game of thrones one um they make a 
Uh, they made a Star Wars one. Thrones one, I've never played it. Yeah, uh, the Game of Thrones LCG exists, and then uh, the I'm trying to. They just shut down Netrunner, but that was one that was a big thing. They used to make a Warhammer one. But the thing with the competitive ones is that uh, Legend of the Five Rings is the other one that they have out right now, which is like uh, s vaguely fantasy, um, like Japan, feudal Japan. Um, so the thing with the competitive ones that can be kind of a rub is that you buy the core box, and like if you wanted to start playing Legend of the Five Rings today, you would to be competitive in a tournament you would need to drop like 150 dollars to go get all of the old packs that have come out and for game of thrones it's like hundreds and hundreds that game has been around forever so you're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars in packs to have all the cards so it's better when it comes to like co-op games like arkham uh it can be a bit rough for competitive ones there's a um, Netrunner Risk Legacy style game out at the moment, isn't there? Netrunner Risk Legacy style. So like a Netrunner game with a campaign that you play cooperatively? Uh, that's certainly possible, but I'm not sure. I know they did come out with a new Android game not that long ago. The thing with Netrunner is um, Netrunner was an old trading card I it, game. I it, I it. Yeah. Terminal Directive. Terminal Directive. I have heard of that. Uh, I don't know. Well, wait. Uh, I want to play that so bad. It's a narrative campaign oh, for Netrunner. For Netrunner specifically, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Netrunner is an interesting one, too. Um, they just announced that they are not going to be making any more Android Netrunner. That game is being shelved forever. Uh, it's dead. That's sensible. Um, it's, uh, well, the only disappointing thing is it is dead dead like they will not be hosting any more events there won't be any more That's major important. tournaments um because fantasy flight lost the license um they had oh. had they, they it was a licensed game they have the android part of that is fantasy flights fictional universe so they will continue to make android games but the netrunner part of it the mechanics of mm -hmm. the way the game is played was leased as a license from an old trading card game so anyway Point being, if you're interested in Terminal Directive, you're going to be able to start picking up people's Netrunner collections on the cheap because there's going to be a ton of people that ditch it since it's not going to be supported anymore, uh, which is cool. And Netrunner is a really fantastic game, so hopefully someone will do it again. Yeah, uh, I actually um, totally was interested in trying... Netrunner, but then never. <laughs> it, now it's dead, maybe not so much. Yeah, it's tough. And that's another one that it's been around for a long time, so to get into it is kind of hard. And they're still trying to figure out how to solve that problem. Um, they did. Netrunner was a big experimental kind of test field for that stuff mm. for them. I think uh, I'm going to get Pandemic Legacy for me and Fiona to play. Um, it's meant to be fantastic and it's not super expensive and I love legacy games I love the idea just never had the time and energy to devote to it yeah I've I'll kind of forego the other thing I was going to bring up is Hollow Knight and there's been a lot of talk about that I'll forego that and say very briefly before we move on um, I have also recently picked up a game called Gloomhaven it's a tabletop mm. game oh boy uh so I am very wary of legacy-type games um, because 
I don't like the idea of destroying components or modifying components. Um, yeah. I'm kind of getting over that with Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven is like a massive open world role-playing game, but in tabletop form. There's 95 different scenarios you can play. Each one takes a couple hours to play through. Um, and the idea is that like you start with scenario one, and then based on what happens in scenario one, you unlock new scenarios on the map. You put stickers on a world map, and then you build mm-hmm. out the dungeon for each scenario. It's a brilliantly designed game. It's got a lot of Euro Sounds mechanics. Amazing. It is. It's uh, it's it's got just so many brilliant mechanics. Like you pick from five different characters for your first characters, but they retire eventually. The idea is that you only play each one for eight or nine scenarios, and then they, you know, they're done. They their story's been told, but when you complete their quest and retire them, you unlock a new character. And they're all in these little boxes, and you don't know what's inside the box. So you can see the symbol as an identifier, but I don't know what the characters are inside of those boxes. So if you really want to have the most fun with it, you don't open those boxes ahead of time. So I have like 15 character boxes, and I don't know what's inside of them. There'll be a miniature and a set of cards for them, and I have no idea what's in the box. One day, hopefully, I'll unlock them and play them. But uh, mm-hmm. it's brilliant. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful game. I actually, <laughs> I have I spent three hours putting together a, a laser cut wood organizer for it, <laughs> and the box now weighs thirty five pounds. <laughs> That's um the shut up and sit down uh, video review of it is fantastic. Yep. And one of the bits is the guys are like, oh, I saw like a box with a dagger on it, and I was like, oh, cool, a dagger. And then he opens it up, and it's like a rat boy. And then he's like, oh, but like, when I started playing the character, I was like, oh, and the plight of the rat boys in this, this town is pretty shitty. Let's like work on that. And like, yeah. it, playing it, his character changed the world. It so captures... He's a verbaling mind thief, because that's what... He looks like a rat boy to yep, me. Yep, that's the mind <laughs> thief, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a... It's a it, that game is just out there man like it's crazy i i highly recommend it's expensive like it's a it's a little over 100 bucks to get a copy of it um and then if you want an organizer which i think is almost a necessity because otherwise it can take like 45 minutes to set it up um it's even more but it it's it's i don't know that i'll ever buy another tile-based dungeon crawling game because why wouldn't i just play gloomhaven forever uh, it's very, very good. And the legacy components in Gloomhaven, uh, it doesn't have you destroy anything. You do put stickers on the board, but you could pl- replay it from scratch very easily by just not like discounting the fact that you have the stickers on the board. You could just Judge, use it. Pat, judging from your previous history of playing board games like this, how many times do you actually tend to play through these things again? And how many games do you own that you have unplayed of this, of this ilk? So I don't have any of this type. So <laughs> I have around 200 board games in my collection of games. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them are not with me currently because I moved across the yeah. country a few a few yeah. months ago. Um, but uh, I probably have 10 or 15 tile-based like dungeon crawl games. I've yeah. played all of them at least once, um, uh-huh. but rarely do I play all the way through them. I've played yeah. through Descent 2nd Edition and Imperial Assault completely. Um, I've played a good bit of Shadows of Brimstone, which is like a Western, Lovecraft Western kind of theme thing. That's fun. I've played a mm-hmm. lot of Mansions of Madness, which is sort of similar. Yeah, um, I think we've played quite a lot of that as well, I, if, I, if that's the thing I've been thinking of. Yep, both first and second edition. I've played both a lot of both of those. Um, 
So, uh, but definitely, um, I, I mean, it'd be hard for me to recommend any of those over Gloomhaven if you have the means, because Gloomhaven is very, very good. Uh, definitely. Would you recommend it to relative new board game players? Um, because I, uh, my friends and I have been trying to think about finding like kind of a longer term either game or role playing thing. And looking at this, this might actually be right up our alley. Yeah. So I would say that it's good to have someone who knows sort of what they're doing to be able to kind of, there's no dungeon master for it. So every, it's fully cooperative. Um, Mm -hmm. but based on like what I know about you, Allison, I think you could totally like manage sort of running and setting up this game. It's, it's complicated, but it's not luck based at all. Really? There's a small luck mechanic in it, but it's, you can actually mitigate that more, which is something I do when I play it by not using certain rules. Um, but it, it's much more tactics-based than most games, so the hardest part about it is not so much learning how the game is played. It is a very challenging game, though, um, but that's more of a fun thing for you to figure out together. And the way that it's it's designed is they encourage you to say, like, if you lose a scenario and you die, it's not like um, a role-playing game where you have to go and, you know, find, uh, you know, play through a story of, revo- of reviving your characters, you just play it again. It's like you died in a video game level. Like, you just start over and play it again. There's no, like... So there's no risk in running scenarios and trying things, which is kind of nice. That's cool. Yeah, because we've been trying to think of, like, either role-playing or something kind of longer term and having more re- fre- uh, frequent game nights. So Yeah, and they call out in the Shut Up and cool. Sit Down review, which is brilliant. Uh, Sam was actually the one who told me to watch it when I was first buying the game, and uh, it was a good recommendation. Um, he talks about how, like, the idea with this game is not that you necessarily nose to the grindstone, play it for, you know, a year straight every week and finish every scenario, because that's just yeah. not what. But what he talks about is how, like, the fun thing is you play it every week for a few months until your group decides that they're ready to try something else, and then two years later you pull it out of the closet, and you go, oh right, of course I remember these characters that we were playing. I remember that, and because it's very easy to put down and pick back up. There's no like really intense overarching story it's more like each campaign each scenario is kind of its own little thing with um the the story is more created by the way that your group evolves over like an actual narrative that's written sounds very cool yeah it's an awesome game i've been thinking about getting it i feel like uh theo this might be one for us to buy for the tuesday club boys Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm, i'm on board and full disclosure, I'm playing it solo right now. Um, I have mm-hmm. a couple of people that will drop in and out if they're interested at some point. But as it stands, I, I'm totally digging it out and playing it solo because uh, it's it's very good for that, too. It is not as if it's better solo than with other people, but it is one of these kinds of games that is very good for a solitaire experience, too. Okay. Wow. That, yeah. that, that's, that makes me even more intrigued. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, I might be tempted to pick that bad boy up. Uh, I, without trying to sound like I'm trying to sell the game too hard, because I do think that <laughs> it's not for everyone. I think there are people who might dislike it. I don't know that any of you are people who would dislike it, but uh, it is kind of hard to find. Um, my kind of. Yeah. I only recently picked it up because when it was first kickstarted a few years ago, I thought it looked stupid. Um, I 
don't like cardboard standees. I like miniatures, and the enemies in this game are represented by cardboard standees, and that bothered me when I first saw it in a Kickstarter. Um, the reason is because it would be cost prohibitive to have them be miniatures because there's hundreds of enemies. So now that I know it and own that, I'm okay with it. But anyway, I skipped it at the time. It came out. It got rave reviews. Um, but to buy a copy was around three or four hundred dollars because it was out of print. Because the way that these small companies work is they print one printing from their Kickstarter and then they can't afford to print more until they do another Kickstarter often. Um, so anyway, they did a Kickstarter for a second printing, which they printed a lot more of. And so now you can get it at certain at a lot of retailers, and it's currently kind of it's a retail price. But I imagine in the next three to six months it'll go back up to being very expensive. So. <laughs> 170 pounds in Amazon right now. So I think, Shit. yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's 165 on on dollars on American. Yes. So, so those su- might be a little bit out of my price range. That's a su- the suggested retail, and it's 140. So it's already creeping up. Yeah, totally. Um, Excelsior might be able to get it in for us. We have a friendly local game shop called yep. Excelsior. My boy on the inside. My store yeah. uh, is my store still has several copies of it, and they have it for the retail price. So I recommend checking at your local store. Oh, yeah. yeah, sounds good. Excellent. Um, so Pat, you said you had also been playing video games. Uh, Hollow Knight. Yes. Yeah, I think didn't you talk about Hollow Knight yesterday? Uh, I played it. And I put a lot of hours into it. Whether I like it or not, it's a different kettle of fish. Um, yeah. So, Pat, how much have you? How many hours have you put into it? Mm, I think probably five or six ish. Um, I defeated the first time you fight uh, Hornet. She says the needle yeah. and thread. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I beat yeah. her. I've still been exploring Green Path more. Um, I have more to a little bit more to see there, but I'm pretty much ready to head out and go to the. I can't remember what it's called, but there's the region to the to the right of the starting area um, that you get the key for after you beat Hornet. So I have to head over there soon. But uh, I very much in. I have eight, eight, eight hours in. Okay, I'm just checking. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I I like it quite a bit. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'll like it forever. I've heard there's mm-hmm. platforming segments that are kind of sticky later on, and that might be the thing that kills my interest in it because i'm not really there for the platforming um mm-hmm. but i'm enjoying it so far for sure and definitely the platforming stuff has not been the most painful bit so far it's been certain bosses i don't think any of the platforming is prohibitive okay or is anything like as frustrating as the as the toughest bosses um so if you if you can i don't think anything was particularly harder later on in the game platform wise unless i'm not far enough Later on in the game, I've hit a significant wall. Uh, I can't remember which boss it is. It's something which has multiple phases. Uh, it was hard as as anything, and I, I probably gave it quite a few goes. Went no, and I I, I just haven't gone back since. Hmm. And there's something about Hollow Knight which I, I don't feel the same pull that things like Dark Souls pull me back in. There's something about the satisfaction of movement and combat which I just wasn't feeling. So I don't know if the rest of you, Sam, you are 100%. You're not a, You're not particularly a Souls boy. No. Wait, didn't you play something or other? I played some Bloodborne. You first tried the, the first boss of Bloodborne, didn't you? Yeah. 
Well, it's because yeah. I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter, so the skill <laughs> transferred over. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, Souls games, I think, are, are just never going to be my bit, my jam in mm-hmm. the same way. Yeah. But I am super interested in seeing what Monster Hunter for Switch is like when it comes out in August. Because um, I played a lot of World, and now I know how the game works. I wonder if I'm up for a much more complicated and difficult version of that game. Is it just the same, but you're playing on Switch? No, it's not World. It's the previous generation of game. Oh, really? So it's got like. They've Which basically one? taken out all of the um, quality of life, really. Yeah, they're taking out all the quality of life improvements. Like now, you have to awesome. your blades and yeah. Is this the one that was on 3ds or not? It was on 3ds. Oh god, I've got that, and it was fucking hard as all anything. It was awful. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. super interested in it. I think I might get it's... it. I think it bridges the gap between what it was on the PlayStation and the sort of arcane Japanese systems that preclude me from wanting to play a lot of JRPGs. Mm. I feel like there's investment in something which, and, and, and I'm being hypocritical here because Souls games often have the same kind of thing where you, you have to go deep into something and research it to understand the meaning of it. Mm. Um, that I was tr- trying to work out, why, why does this system work like this? Why does this system work like this? And I found it so hard when I was playing that on 3DS and I felt no level of support. I think because everybody was playing the PS4 version of Monster Hunter, everyone was in, everyone was sharing information. A bit like when Dark Souls initially came out or as Souls games come out and everyone's crowdsourcing the information. Yeah. I, I didn't feel that maybe because I wasn't in the, on enough of the forums, subreddits, whatever, but um, didn't feel supported and I wasn't playing with anyone on 3DS. So I yeah. felt isolated, and when I was frustrated with the system, I went, eh, fuck it, I'm not, I'm not on board. Yeah, I've, I found it really hard to get into Monster Hunter on 3DS, and I think that a lot of that is the way that it controls there. Um, That's a big part of it, yeah, it's gross. Um, and so I'm super interested to see whether I get on with it on Switch more than anything. Um, I think my current plan is to rent it, and then if I like it, go straight out and buy a fancy special edition or something. Um, yeah, I think, like, the the thing that wants for me was, like, I really enjoyed World, and I, I spent so much time playing Monster Hunter 1 going, wish I could play this on the train. Wish I could play this <laughs> on the train. I could get my dailies done. I spent, over, I spent yeah. like, 90 minutes on the train every day. The thing like, that... I guess if you spend 90 minutes, then perhaps it'll be that for you but i think the thing that i struggled with because i tried with multiple ds monster hunters and psp monster hunters actually i've tried to play almost every single one that's come out um monster hunter world is the only one i've stuck with for more than four or five hours because it felt like oh yeah i can play this while i'm on my commute i'm on the bus or something and but then you spend like 15 minutes to 15 to 20 minutes preparing for your hunt because the menus suck and then you spend the menus are so bad they're yeah. just terrible and then you spend Awful. 20 minutes stalking your prey because the systems that exist for stalking your prey and setting up your mm-hmm. encounter are not as good as what's in world and then you yeah. spend 30 minutes you basically you you spend like 400% more time on the stuff that isn't fun about world 
on yeah. everything in, uh, in in those older games. And some people love them, so maybe it'll click for you and you won't have a problem with a lot of that busy work, but it just, it, it really drove me crazy. I'd be fascinated to know anybody who wanted to go back to a more arcane, less accessible system after Worlds has come out. If anybody, if, if, there's, a, if there's a crew um, pining for that, saying, no, no, don't make it so accessible, I don't know. I'm sure it exists. I, I don't know anyone. But... Probably all. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You definitely are. It's just we don't understand. <laughs> yeah, we don't yeah. yeah. It's got to be a commercially significant amount of people because Capcom's translated this port. So this port came out in Japan uh, like August last year, I think, like quite a long time ago. Um, and it was announced and everyone got super excited and then they were like, oh yeah, but like it's Japan only. Um, so they put the work in and localized this port. Yeah, yeah, but localization that can't cost as much as building a new thing. And if you're just going to capitalize on an mm. existing game, you just change the language, and then loads of people went, "Oh shit, I'll dip back in exactly like you." They must see it's free money. I assume yeah. that they're that that's the case, and that they're thinking that they'll ride the popularity of World to yeah. attract Switch owners to play it. I don't know how many people really, if it really is a commercially significant number of people, were clamoring for it that were already Monster Hunter mm -hmm. fans that wanted to go back to that style. Yeah, but yeah. it could be that that's the reason, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not tapped into the Monster Hunter community, so uh, I I don't know for sure. I, I also think feel that there's a, a contingent of people, and this again isn't to like pick on anybody, but there's a contingent of people that hear that there's a new thing coming out overseas in Japan, and they just want it because think it's cool. Yeah. They want it because yeah. it's a it's a new Capcom game, and I want it in the in the states because there shouldn't. And to a certain degree, I I feel for them. I mean, really, their localization shouldn't still be such a stumbling block for so many games. Um, so I, I think that everyone should be able to access and play whatever they want to play. But from a business perspective, I think that it's there's a lot of those type of people. I don't know that it's that there's really millions of people that want to play old Monster Hunter on their Switch. Make my systems less easy to access. Come on, please. Yeah. I need my menus more complex. Um, did anyone try um, Captain Spirit, by the way? I haven't yet. Because it's completely free, I feel like I should have, and I enjoyed uh, Life is Strange. Yeah. Need to get an auto download on the PlayStation Store going. I enjoyed the first two episodes of Life is Strange and then fell off of playing it. I will play it before August. That gives me about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fourth episode of Life is Strange is the best one, I think. Interesting. My partner really enjoys it, so I will definitely. Um, she has been on me to install it and play it on the Steam Link together. So we will definitely be doing that soon. I'm just gonna real quick check the episodes, but I'm almost certain. Uh, uh, so what are you looking at? Uh, I was looking at Wikipedia. It's not telling me which chapter is which. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, I'm all, I'm like 99% certain that um, I feel like I was like 60% committed. I was like, nah. going up through chapters one, two, and three. I was like, oh, this is fun, but like, could I be playing something else? And then chapter four, I was like, oh, I'm 100% sold and invested in these characters, and uh, I 
played the rest four through six in one shot, like one session of like six hours, seven hours. Are there six chapters? Yeah, I think there's six. Oh, Christ. Like a Telltale game, most of them are six, I think. It's either five or six. Yeah, the whole thing was great. I loved it. Yeah. Only the first one. I didn't play the second, uh, the, the After the Storm, or what it was called. I've heard that that's also good, and it's got, like, apparently it's got a D&D section where you just play D&D and you make all the choices in the same way you make choices in the other games. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. I, uh, Greg Miller raved about it. On, um, kind of funny, but, you know, he's... He is a person who was very into Life is Strange, mm-hmm. so it's hard to tell whether he liked it because it was more of what he liked, or yeah. what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, games that I would like to talk about this week, um, we've already talked a little bit about um, Luminous Remastered, I pronounced it your way. How would um, you pronounce it? But yeah, how did you pronounce it? So, my, my, wait, were you here last week, Allison? I can't remember. No. no, you were not. Yeah, Sam pronounces Luminez in a really weird way. Yeah, pronounce it. So my uni flatmate and I both got PSPs on launch day, and we both got a copy of the game that is pronounced correctly as Luminous. Um, yeah. But obviously, no one says the name of the game in that game. No, we weren't listening to gaming podcasts because they didn't exist. We didn't watch video reviews because we already owned the game. So I didn't find out that the game was not pronounced that way for an extremely long time. You said Lumines, didn't you? Yeah. No, uh, we pronounced it it's Luminese. Worse. Yeah, it's even oh, weirder. You're a prick. You're an absolute prick then. If you'd said Lumines, I would have been with you. But yeah, Lumines is... Lumines, Lumines. I'm yeah, sure I called it absolutely. Lumines at some point when I wasn't sure. Because Lumines but... makes sense. Yeah. Lumines? No language would pronounce it that way. Like Steve picked that pronunciation and we both stuck with it. I'm really glad people got into it. I'm really glad that Theo is backing that up as a terrible pronunciation because I thought maybe uh-huh. it was like a, a, no. a cultural vernacular thing that no, made it different. With it. He's just an idiot. <laughs> Theo, yeah, you can ask Steve next week at the wedding. I will. I'm gonna, I'll physically threaten him if you need. <laughs> <laughs> yes. he, he came up with it he told me to buy it he was like buy this game you'll love it buy this game also mm-hmm. if you don't say it like this I, I won't talk to you ever again it's <laughs> no he just called it Luminies he only called it Luminies and I bet you he will still call it that alright well go, go out to the wedding and say hey Steve chase your yeah, bliss I suppose you know that's just been re-released how would you pronounce it okay. I think I won't have that conversation I no, I don't think any of us. In my stuff. life. <laughs> We've, at this point, spent significantly more time talking about how to pronounce Luminous <laughs> on, across this and the last podcast than we have actually talking about Luminous. It's a good so, game, isn't it? Don't people like it? It's all right. Luminous is a great oh, game. There you go. Do you need to know anything else about it? Uh, it's actually super cheap. It's like £13. I would totally recommend it. That's Rhythm Tetris. It's, uh, I would say it's an amazing portable game. I played it for the first time on my TV today and I did not like it. Uh, I just felt too close and the blocks felt too big. I feel like with Luminis you need to uh, see... You said done it again. <laughs> um, I feel like with Luminis... Sam, there's a band to... called the Luminis. 
Sorry, let me just go and like their Insta. In, in, interestingly, oh. you know, their name contains two E's instead of one E. Uh, if you if you look up Luminese, it comes up with a lot of dental bleaching kits. So just so you know. Uh, hey, just that, you wanted to know. I could be on board with that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so I've probably played um, I played most of the training missions just to unlock some avatars, and um, I've played the endless mode like three or four times now. It's probably about six hours in total because it takes me about ninety minutes to finish a game because uh, I'm a pro elite gamer. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it is, it's Luminous. It's just that game. It's the exact same as the PSP version, essentially. But, um, the, uh, yeah, it's basically the exact same thing as the, uh, PlayStation, the, the PS PlayStation portable version. Uh, but, okay. Yeah, I can see the teeth. That's, that's good. <laughs> I am the Luminese now. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, if I wasn't already regretting inviting you on the podcast. Slash making you I think this is great. Now. I think Theo should be on yes! all the time. <laughs> I'm in. This is the two. I've given well, you two platforms in a week's time. time. Sabotaging Sam Weekend 1 done. Sabotaging in Weekend 2 still to come. <laughs> um... I, I've, I've been trying to uh, make an extremely long... I, I'm sure I've told you guys on the podcast already. I've basically been waging a, like, 18-month campaign against Fiona that I'm going to <laughs> exclusively do Borat jokes in my speech. It's timely, uh, too. Yeah, because that's what I'm going back in the it news. Actually is. Yeah. That's, that's probably how I'm going to start. Oh, Sam, did, did I tell you I'm doing my speech before yours? And I, I've got a lot mm. of Borat jokes in <laughs> What would be brilliant? Be what would be brilliant, Theo, is if you could get Sasha Baron Cohen to show up and dress like you, and you don't even wow. go to the wedding at all. Wow! And it's really Sasha oh. Baron Cohen at the wedding and the whole time. The wedding, he rips off his face and he's got the Borat outfit on underneath. <laughs> yeah, there you and go. And he's like, he's like, well, oh, Sam, I've no spoiled it for you. And then, the, uh, and then he puts his arm around Fiona and says, "My wife." Funnily <laughs> well, like, enough, he just does not say my wife at all. Like, that would probably be a lot better. Really? Yeah. And he completely admits that and says, it's your turn now, Sam. <laughs> he goes, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so Luminous is a great game. Yeah, everyone should play it. It's like, it was £13. It can't be much money in dollars. Um, and... It passes my 90-minute train journey very well by being about half... In the morning, I play half a game, and in the evening, I play half a game. What if it took you, like, and 20 minutes play. to set up your game of Luminez, and then 20 minutes to organize your inventory after you finish Yeah, of Luminez. Oh, make sure you've sharpened all your Luminez. <laughs> <laughs> make sure the blocks are sharp and that you have a good supply of music. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the blocks are sharp. Sometimes and paintballs. Uh, you need a lot of paintballs, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what games are you guys looking forward to in the rest of the <laughs> Oh, God. Um, I'll go first and start with... I have a couple of games that I'm bringing up. They say that they're going to be available 2018. Who, who's to say if they will be available 2018? 
but I can hope that they are. Um, so I'm bringing a 2019 one... game, so there's nothing stopping you. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, how can you guess? It's all guesswork from here on out, isn't it? You, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, so the first one I, I thought of is uh, Donut County, which mm. I've been, I'm really looking forward to, and, and I hope uh, it is as good as it looks. Um, so basically, it's like reverse Katamari Damacy. Yep. Yeah, so instead of making a giant ball, you make a giant hole that swallows things up. And it looks just so charming, and I, I love Katamari Damacy a lot. So, I, I anything that will fill that hole, so to speak. Oh, that was not intended, but I'll take it. Um, but but uh, <laughs> but it, it just it looks like it's going to be in that same vein, and so I am really looking forward to it. And hope oh, that he it has the unfinished one. Yes. Yep. Um, oh, he did. Yeah. yeah, it's Annapurna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I know that it's Annapurna, but I didn't know that he did the unfinished sign. That's cool. Do you guys want to know yeah. something real shitty about Donut County? About the, about the, 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 the clone, the clone on the yeah. Clone, yeah. That's part of why I was like, I gotta bring this up because it's like I, I feel so bad for a man, but I actually haven't heard about that. What's what's the so deal? somebody made a like hilariously very close clone of Donut County and just released it on uh, iOS. That alone is enough yeah. to make me purchase uh, Donut County like multiple times. Yeah. Fuck me. Like, this game is already out. It came out like last week. Who cares? And it's legal. Like there's loads of uh, loads of stuff looking into it. Yeah. But it's just yeah. But it's called thing. yeah. I, I'm not going to give the name of it because I don't want to endorse it in any way but it's also gone to be like number one in the app store in certain categories and sure it, it so it's it's really taken off and it's kind of upsetting so if i wasn't already looking really looking forward to donut county i am extremely uh must buy donut county at, at launch now because yeah. of that yep i will uh... as well I did actually install it, but I haven't played it. But I'm, obviously, I'll buy Donut County anyway. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that too because I'm like, oh, I just really want Donut County, and this will be similar. But I, I don't think I'm going to. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm totally interested in Donut County. I think it's really cool. Um, I think the game that they've made of it is kind of they've made something that's kind of st like. I don't know, different enough from Donut County because it is a it's a multiplayer game. Mm -hmm. um, but still, I'd rather just play Donut County. And it's coming on PS4, so I will play the heck out of that. You had a second game, Alison. Oh, I actually have two more. What? Um, <laughs> second one is Ooblets. Uh, I'm going all indie today, by the way. Um, so Ooblets, it's the it's basically. Uh, something like Pokemon and Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing all mixed up into Oh my one. god. I it had is, heard the name, I didn't know anything about it, now I'm super excited. It is yeah, Okay, you after after the podcast, you have to watch some of the trailers for it. Don't worry. It I'm cutest, doing it now. We're all watching the, them together. <laughs> it is the cutest game in the world and I it, it just looks so charming and sweet and I'm I'm really excited to uh to, wait. Um, try that out. Wait a minute. So you farm as if you're playing Stardew Valley, but Pokemon come out of the plants? 
Yes. What game oh is this? God. Ooblet. Ooblet. Coming Ooblet. Out. Oh, it's coming. I know. It's, yep, it's coming out later this year from Double Fine, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's. I, I I feel like every single year I watch the um, PC gaming show at E3, and I'm, every year I'm just like, give me Ooblets. The other games look. I good, will but buy Ooblets the hell out of so this. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It looks um, like it almost has Viva Pinata esque stuff too, with like the climates yeah. and things. Yeah, it just looks so charming, and yeah, yeah, and, and I I love Harvest Moon, Stardew Valley type games, and I love Pokemon, so it feels like it's just mixing all these games that I enjoy into one. And the battles are dance battles, and it's it's gonna be great. Um, so that's that's very highly anticipated. And my third game that I'm looking forward to is called. Um, Minako's Night Market, which I'm go- I guess I'm going for all cute indie games today. Um, but basically, th- that seems like it's going to be a similar game where it's, I-, I think you, it's partially you run a store, but then also partially you're running around exploring this island, and there's cats everywhere, and it just looks really cute. So uh, these are all theoretically supposed to come out in 2018 and I just sincerely hope they all come out in 2018 because <laughs> I've been looking forward to all of these games for a while yeah um, Ooblets I've been watching for a little while as well because I was like I just want an Animal Crossing they won't give it to me <laughs> you can download it today it's called Animal Crossing Pocket Camp Very no good. that's not the same I said I wanted an Animal Crossing not a great bastardization of an Animal Crossing that's um, your problem boy yeah did uh, you've gone through your third game, haven't you, Alison? I think. Yes. Let's um, let's move to this side of the pond, Theo. What Hello. are you looking forward to? Mm, I've year? got mm, some things. Is it Destiny Two: The Forsaken that we will definitely? It's play? literally not that. It's that. That's got nothing to do with anything. Um, number one, it's a very boring one, but I'm going to enjoy it, which is Dark Souls on the Switch. I've just played through Dark Souls One for the first time properly ever on the PS4. On the remastered edition, my my history went Dark Souls two, Bloodborne three, then one. And having completed one now, just recently, I'm ready again to play it on my commute, which is five to six hours a day. Uh, the amount of time I think I could put in to stupid builds and just prancing around in Dark Souls one, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, looking through 2018's releases, the only other two that jumped out to me were Dark Siders three. Not going to say it's going to be good, considering that I think that's got a problematic history of development. I love the other two. Really, you think it does? Yeah, I think so. I think it's got the key people, apparently. It's, it's hard to say if that's going to come out as anything good at all. I love the other two. I like two more than one, I think. I love the loot aspect, but who knows what they're really going to do with it. I don't know. Have any of you guys seen which direction this is going? Uh, it's going to differ from the others. It, I, it looks to me a lot like the first one in terms of gameplay, but I've seen very little of it. I've only seen about okay. twenty minutes of gameplay. It looks like it's kind of going in the more Zelda direction rather than the more Diablo direction of the second one. Yeah, I suppose. I, I honestly, I, I loved the loot aspect of the second game a lot, um, and I wonder if they, maybe, maybe they're responding so, to people's criticisms or i don't know that that's gone necessarily but i, I yeah. haven't really seen the loot system come into play in any of the yeah, trailers and looking, stuff i've seen i'm looking at uh wiki and nothing nothing's really saying what what it's going to be like and whether that's going to actually come out this year who knows but i love just aesthetically i love the first two 
They were fun as well. I, I think they had issues, but I just, I wish they had come out. I wish they'd been well supported and they'd seen the series through properly. So I'm happy that this is actually going on. And the other one is Artifact. Now, I don't know if any of you mm-hmm. are Dota boys like I am. Well, Sam certainly isn't. I sort of uh, am. Single player. No, it's the card game. Mm-hmm. It's the card mm-hmm. mm-hmm. game. Pat, have you ever been a Dota man? Yeah. Uh, I am not to the extent that I can say that I'm like good at it or anything mm-hmm. um yeah, it definitely is. but but <laughs> i have a, uh, i have a put down i have a a pretty big interest in the game i've watched professional play for i always watch the international mm-hmm. it's funny i cool. moved to seattle for far better reasons than going to a dota tournament but <laughs> uh and the first year that i live in seattle they're doing the the international in Vancouver, yeah. three hours away. So it drives me crazy. But uh, I am. I would say I am a Dota guy. Um, yeah. I would also say that I am a card game guy. So I think so Artifact looks incredibly house, exciting. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, and, and so I didn't really talk about it today, but the game I was going to talk about was Slay the Spire. I don't know if mm, anyone's played yeah, that. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played it quite a I bit. Am, I'm playing it probably more than any other game right now. Sure. I love it. And I don't really play any card games properly on my yeah. own. Uh, but it's 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 incredibly addictive, and I, it makes me think if any artifact is anything like that, I'm going to be so invested in it. I didn't play Hearthstone, um, but maybe it just hasn't been my time, and maybe this is the thing to get me fully so, fully into it. From what I've seen of artifacts, um, so I you might know better than me. I've kind of tried to follow it, but I'm trying to also no, kind I, of I know, ignore it. I know it. very little. I've seen almost no gameplay. I. So it's definitely more like Hearthstone in that it is a PvP game. You're playing against yeah, yeah. another person. But mm-hmm. um, the the thing that's extremely encouraging to me about it is that, uh, and I people other people maybe may, may know more. I don't know if they've said more. Last I heard, the extent to the payment model that we got was that you will buy into the game. It's not like Hearthstone where it will be a free to play game. It'll be one that you yeah, actually purchase. Hacks, yeah. um, so. My assumption then, it almost looks like they're going to be doing it in that living card game type uh, model that I was talking about in physical games where you'll spend $10 to buy into the game. And then rather than buying randomized packs, you're actually getting, you're purchasing specific cards. Um, So it says on the wiki, Artifact features card trading integration on the Steam marketplace. Right. Not sure what that means. Yeah, it's hard Uh, to know for sure. It may be that it'll be random packs and it's just a $10 buy-in to get your starter deck the way that Magic the Gathering works or whatever. He and the team wish for it to avoid becoming pay-to-win yeah. Beef card games, half license single player action games. And the thing is, you never really know. With Valve, I think they're constantly spinning on themselves and they don't really have a vision. They, they follow the money or they follow what seems to be working for them. The thing about them, though, that I, I agree with you, but also, um, like, I I think that, and, and to an extent, I would say this about Blizzard, too, and I think they mm. failed with Hearthstone largely. So, yeah. in this aspect that I'm going to outline, but uh, everybody says their game's not going to be pay to win, and then everybody almost is always lying. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> they want it to not be pay to win. In the case of Valve, though, they've actually put their money where their mouth is, and like Dota is not pay to win. Dota yeah, 2. Counter Strike is not pay to win. Um, yeah. None of their games are pay to win. So. I have now. I would have said the same thing about Blizzard before Hearthstone came out, and I think that while they try to make it not pay to win, it very much is. So, yeah, okay. um, yeah. 
and not so much that it's pay to win because the more money you spend, the more you're going to, the better you're going to be and the more you're going to win. It's more mm -hmm. that you need specific cards to be competitive in the meta in Hearthstone at any given time. And yeah. there is no way to acquire those cards other than buying, buying random packs. You may find that you drop 40 bucks when a new set comes out and you get all the cards you need. Because... It could be that that's how it goes. Or you could spend $300 chasing the cards that you need. You never I think know. If, if any game requires you to spend extra money to keep up competitively in that sense, it's already paid to win. It exactly. doesn't matter how little right. it is. If, you, if it makes you invest extra money, it, it already is. Yeah, so... Yeah, uh, and I think that it's really possible to have fun in Hearthstone without spending money. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. being... <laughs> If, if your goal is to be competitive, then yep. then yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I, I enjoy Hearthstone, and I've, I mean, I've spent a little bit of money on it, mostly on the expansions. But I haven't. But, I, but I'm nowhere near competitive, nor do I really have any wish to. I played it very competitively from launch. I probably spent four to five hundred dollars on it over the first Ooh, three years boy. that it was out, and I was. I spent a couple of hundred, I think. Yeah, I was. I was on. I was. Trending legendary, I never hit like legendary top ten or anything, but I was definitely I was streaming it. I was playing at a very high level, um, and I just got tired, uh, tired of one needing to keep up and two needing to to pump money into it all the time. So I'm very intrigued to see what Valve does with Artifact because um, uh, I trust Valve in the same way that I trusted Blizzard before Hearthstone, and I still, <laughs> again, to be clear, I still love Blizzard, and I think that they try to temper the pay to win as much as they can. I just think they haven't figured out how to do that. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe Valve has figured it out and that it'll work with Artifact. And honestly, like part of the way that I think that that could happen is um, they have, they're very iterative. They change their games all the time. I can yeah. see this game costing money when it first comes out. And then I could see it going to a, you know what? All the cards are free. Um, we're going to sell you boards, we're going to sell you uh, avatars, we're going to sell you all kinds of cosmetic things, all, like all the how they monetize Dota. Like to buy, yeah. Yeah. Rick and Morty voice packs. Yeah. <laughs> Don't threaten me. <laughs> but yes, Artifact looks extremely exciting, and um, yeah. it looks like you're playing three games of Hearthstone at once, which is a cool mm. idea. I'm only worried if it fully takes their attention away from Dota, which it probably will, thinking about Counter-Strike. But there you go, such is life. At the same time, though, mm. as I mean, I, I live near there, so like I don't know people that work at Valve, but I know people who are friends of friends of people who work at Valve, and I have a yeah. certain idea of what their culture is like. I mean, they have like hundreds and hundreds of employees. That's the thing that people, like that isn't clear from the outside. They're mm. a pretty large company, mm. and they make like two games actively. So... Honestly, Two I... Games, Dota and Half-Life 3. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep dreaming. Uh, so, honestly, they have the bandwidth to, to, to put a really awesome team uh, of developers behind uh, yeah, Artifact. You, you'd hope so. You, you really hope so. You, I think it, it just comes out. When, when you see it happen, then you know. Yep. You can never really predict. Totally. That's yep. the Dota way. It's the way with... It's the Valve way, well, really. Pat, did you say what you were looking forward to? Did I forget? No, so I was gonna say I was gonna say it's a it's a 2019 game, um, because I was gonna go with the Sinking City to kind of uh, uh, continue my Lovecraft trend. Um, Sinking City is a Frogwares game that's coming out, but instead, uh, after I was reminded that uh, of Annapurna, 
I am going to talk about The Outer Wilds, which I have briefly discussed on a cast before, but I'm going to say it again because I'm going to scream about this game forever. Um, The Outer Wilds is slated to come out this year. It is also being published by Annapurna, and it looks like an absolutely wonderful, brilliant, brilliant uh, adventure game. Um, did anybody Has anybody played the alpha of The Outer Wilds that came out years ago? No. No. So I pumped a lot of time into it. Um, I think the alpha is going to end up actually being kind of what the full game looks like. Uh, I'll be interested to see what the differences are. I will still buy it and play it more. Um, but The Outer Wilds is a game... Uh, I don't, were, were, was everybody... Allison, Sam, were you here when I talked about it last? Uh, I don't think so, actually. Okay. It might have been one that, that, that neither of you were on. Because uh, it was, it was a really short 20-minute um, loop. Yeah, so the original Alpha, uh, it's unclear what the final game will be like. Um, It looks a lot better now, so uh, they may have made a lot of other changes. But um, originally it was a a 20-minute loop, but it was a game where you played as a sort of an alien that um, was spawned in a place, and the idea was you need to get in your spaceship and fly to space. Uh, and once you did that, you realized that like there's this solar system of planets and moons that are all rotating around each other way faster than they would in like a real life environment, way closer together. But it's all this physics-based like I need to get from my planet to the moon of my planet, and then I need to get to this place, and it's all based on gravitational pulls, and it's far more simmy than you would expect based on how the game looks. Um, but still accessible to a degree. So it's kind of like if Kerbal was way more accessible and way more about mm-hmm. like exploring the places you visit rather than getting doing the math to get to the places you want to visit. Um, and so you would go to like you would go like, well, I want to go to this this water planet, and then you would go to the water planet, and you would get through the clouds, and there would be this crazy looking landscape of like water spouts and tentacles shooting up out of the water and stuff. And not that it was hostile, but it was just interesting. And then you would go to, like, the, the the foggy gas giant, and you'd be kind of wandering around, and then you'd hear a really terrifying noise and turn your ship around, and there's a giant anglerfish that's eating your ship. Um, and it was terrifying. And, like, just lots of weird... There's, like, nine or so planets, and they were all just very strange and interesting. And then you're playing for 20 minutes, and you realize, like, you, there's this big flash of light, and the game ends, and you go back to the beginning. And you kind of realize that, like, oh, this is actually sort of structured like a roguelike, wherein I'm getting a 20-minute loop, and during that 20 minutes, I'm going out and I'm exploring and I'm learning things, and then I have that knowledge to play for the next 20-minute loop. There's no combat or anything. You can die from, like, hazards and stuff, but there is no combat. You don't get a gun. Um, It's all about exploring this little solar system and figuring out why it's being basically destroyed every 20 minutes and why you're going back to the beginning and how to kind of stop the cycle from happening. Um, and it's just brilliant in a way that I, I'm somebody who likes space simulators quite a bit. Um, I would say that role-playing games and space sims are probably my two favorite genres of video game. Um, and, uh, this game just is a space sim in the weirdest, coolest way that I've seen in a long time. Um, to the point that like, I'm, I, I, it's definitely the game that if I could take one game from 2018, um, it would be the one that I would take, uh, if, and I had to like give up all the other ones. Cause it just looks so brilliant and fascinating. 
Cool. Well, I want to talk about Hell Week. So... I don't even know what that is. Hell Week is not a game. It is a game in which three games which I've been waiting for for multiple years all come out. Oh, I was going to say, what universe are you not talking about Spider-Man? On September the 4th, Destiny Forsaken comes out. And obviously, that's genuinely important to me. Destiny mm-hmm. 2 was my game of the year last year. Destiny 2 is my most played game of last year. Destiny 1 is one of my most played games on PS4. That's a good game. Big fan. Um, that, so, Destiny 2 Forsaken looks like it could be an interesting, like that they may have taken some feedback and thoughts and moved the game forward a little bit. And um, any of you guys thinking you might play it? Totally. Yeah, maybe. You can't see the stream right now, and I so I won't do it. But uh, my desktop background is Destiny Forsaken. So. Ah, well. I got go. on board with Destiny, uh, one, in the. Uh, yeah, it's it's the equivalent sort of time frame, it. isn't it? Yeah, it, it isn't that this when they sort of went? Oh, I, I think I know what we're trying to do with it. Yeah. So and I'm hoping it will be the same sort of thing. If nothing else, Gambit looks so incredibly fun to me that I will yes. play that over and over again, and that game will become Gambit to me. Like, that game mode looks amazing. Yep. Big fan. Looks awesome. It's the exact kind of thing that um, mm-hmm. the people I know that don't like competitive games as well will really mm-hmm. enjoy. Um, other So, on the exact same day, Dragon Quest Eleven comes out. The first Dragon Quest release for a home console since Dragon Quest Eight on the PS2, which came out when I was at university, which is uh, over 10 years ago. Uh, so, obviously, that's, uh, that's a pretty big deal. I think that I'm going to end up buying all of the games that come out this week and just throwing Dragon Quest in a drawer and playing it when I'm done with everything else. Because I think it's going to be the least zeitgeisty of the three games. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Honestly, Destiny, you need to play it when it comes out because that's when the mm-hmm. most people are playing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Destiny, I will buy and play day one. Um, Dragon Quest, I'll probably also pre-order, buy, play day one, but just maybe for an hour or two and then just throw it in the drawer. Um, it needs to get played like I can't wait for that game it looks amazing it looks like they've really modernized Dragon Quest but kept all of the stuff that I love about it but um, yeah that's a 100 plus hour RPG that comes out the same week as a game that I will probably play 100 hours of and Spider-Man which I honestly don't know how long it will play (laughs) <laughs> yeah, three days after Destiny 2 and Dragon Quest, Spider-Man comes out. Um, and you all know my love for Spider-Man. Um, uh, but like this game looks like they've got it right. Everyone's saying they've got it right. It looks awesome. I loved uh, Sunset Overdrive, which this is taking a lot of technology from. Um and I just, I don't know, I don't see a world where this game probably isn't my game of the year or close to it. It's both a, an acknowledgement of your, uh, like, your love for Spider-Man and 
uh, a cry for how much that I love Spider-Man that I say that you just barely probably love Spider-Man more than me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I couldn't be more excited for this game, too. I think I, I will probably lean towards something like the Outer Wilds, uh, assuming that it's as good as the Alpha in, in indicated it would be for Game of the Year kind of stuff, because that game is just special in a specific way to me but spider-man if it's not in my top three i'll be very surprised based on what we've seen so far it, it looks, looks so positively good. incredible and everything I've, I've heard really is very good it. too uh, like i've watched a few gameplay demos and stuff over the last few weeks i've just kind of absorbed a few bits and bobs and like it just looks incredible like i uh i did everything there was to physically do in spider-man 2 on the ps2 and i was like oh yeah this is a really good game so i bought it for xbox and i did the same mm -hmm. i completed it from like top to bottom and of course i had a gamecube so like why would you not so i played it on gamecube as well and so uh Every very, very good Spider-Man game, I've, like, 100%ed. Did you also do that with Ultimate Spider-Man? I said every good Spider-Man <laughs> game. I guess I am a bigger Spider-Man fan than you. Damn. No, I didn't realize. Have a lower bar. Why? Real talk, though. Why do people not like Ultimate Spider-Man? That game is great. It's like Spider-Man 2. It's it just has cel-shaded graphics. Bad. That's true. I'll give you that. But that doesn't ruin the whole game. There's only, like, six of those. Yeah, but the, there's one really early in the game that's really hard, and I feel like I it took me so many tries to beat it that I lost all interest in that game. That's too bad. It's really good. You should play it again now. <laughs> it's not available anywhere, really, is it? I had to pirate... Sorry to the people listening on the internet. I had to pirate <laughs> Spider-Man Web of Shadows because it legally is Very not Very legally buy it and slash rent it from the internet, yeah. And I literally, I was like... Is there any way that I can give someone money to play Spider-Man oh, Shadow? Yeah. And I physically couldn't do it, mm -hmm. so I downloaded it. Anyway... Um, I do own a copy of that game. It's in a box somewhere. The only but... thing that I will say that is disappointing to me about the, what we've seen of the new Spider-Man game is I don't like that they made a villain. That was one mm -hmm. thing that I was kind of like, uh... What do you mean, made a villain? Well, they made the... Didn't they... Isn't that the, the guy in the white suit? That's a, that's their creation, right? No, he's uh, 10, 11 years old. Mr. Negative, Dan Slott created him. Oh, okay. Uh, so, Mr. Negative was... So, basically, when Dan Slott took over writing Spider-Man, uh, Aunt May was volunteering at a charity shelter called Feast. And Feast was run by this dude called Martin Lee. And Martin Lee was secretly the mob boss, Mr. Mr. Negative. Gotcha, okay. That would have been I'm right around not. the time that I was very explicitly not reading Spider-Man for reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Did you love Mary Jane? What? No. Uh, it wasn't because of that. It was because I was of... Um, I had other stuff going on in my life where I was like, I'm not going to read comic books. That makes sense. I was the perfect uh, age to be like, comic books, that's for nerds. Mr. Negative's first appearance is May 2007. So, very, very recent creation, but a very good character. Well well put together. Well, then great. I, for some reason, thought I saw during E3 stuff that they had created a character, a villain, and uh, I'm usually not into that, so that is good to know that they did not. Hmm. 
Um, but yeah, so yeah, uh, I really like the suit, the new Spider-Man suit. Mm-hmm. Like as an example, this is my current phone home screen, which has the new Spider-Man art on it, and a lot of text messages. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so the, yeah, I'm huge, huge fan of the art style, the game. Miles Morales is in it. Uh, there's Peter Parker sections. Apparently, there are sections where he plays MJ. Maybe that's interesting. Like, I hope that I they. Mean, I hope that you can swap to Peter whenever you want. I, you may know if you can, and and I. But I, that would be I, really neat. I think that it's going to be plot based. I, I don't know that you can, but I assume it's going to be plot based. And I feel like it's going to be like when you played as Ellie in The Last of Us. Yeah. So like, there'll be a section where you cannot be Spider-Man for a reason. The thing that I want from this game that I don't know that we'll ever get from a Spider-Man game, and the thing that I felt like Ultimate was grasping at, but it didn't exactly do, is, like, I... In a weird way, I don't really care about the overarching narrative of the game. I just want to live in Spider-Man's world. Like, I I just want to... Because I can get narrative from comic books, right? Like, I can get narrative from places that that are good for that i just want to like inhabit that character and swing around the city and like stop and beat up a bunch of punks and i want that to be fun um in a way that it it was fun in spider-man 2 and i think it i think it was fun in ultimate spider-man 2 although i agree with you that the venom stuff is bad um and and i no game has done that since those games so i'm really hoping they nail that aspect of this and that's why i think things like being able to swap the peter would be kind of neat even if you're not mm. going to do anything but walk down the street as him and then turn back into spider-man also venom's a bad character and that's the reason why uh then all the spider-man isn't a very good game you're right that he's a bad character i i, I don't Spider-Man villains. i'd rather see a jack-o-lantern comic than venom yeah sure <laughs> yeah there you are Got a differing opinion there. Like <laughs> Should I stream the trailer of the Venom movie? <laughs> I'm not saying that film might not be the biggest pile of garbage you've ever seen. Um, I actually think that movie looks significantly better than it has any right oh, to be. God, really? Because I. Uh, now, mind you, I think that that movie should be complete horseshit. So the fact that I think yeah, that yeah. it looks yeah. even passably okay is saying something. Yeah. Well, I, I think feel like. Might, uh, I've got a lot of trust in Jenny Slate and Tom Hardy. And is yeah. it Riz Ahmed the villain? Yeah, Riz Ahmed. Uh-oh. I think... Oh, there too. Tentatively... Well... We lost you for a second there. Oh, sorry. Uh, that's what's making me a little bit more excited about it than I probably should be, is that I like Tom Hardy, I like Jenny Slate, I like Riz Ahmed, and they're, they're all actors that I feel like generally make decent choices. So I'm like, yeah. hopefully it'll be good. Uh, Alison, if you like Riz Ahmed, there is a British comedy movie called Four Lions. I don't uh, like... Ooh, sorry, you cut out again then. Um, yeah, I just noticed. Did you hear what I was saying about a British comedy movie called Four Lions? No, I did not. So it stars Riz Ahmed and it's a comedic look at Islamic terrorists. It's extremely, extremely funny, like to the point where I cry laughed watching that movie. Uh, and I would very much highly recommend you watch it if you like Riz Ahmed. It's great in it. I'll check that out. Um, but yeah, so there we go. So let's let's end on a nice high note. Yeah. Uh, talking about Islamic terrorism. Terrorism, yep, good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
<laughs> no, let's uh, yeah, let's learn on a high note of Spider Man and how that game looks like it is like legitimately going to be incredible. It looks very good. Excited. Looks very good. I do other think. High notes, sorry, I was going to say just other high notes for the year. Uh, Assassin's Creed looks like it's going to be real good. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about that. I will really enjoy that. I think. Did you play Origins here? Yeah, I, I probably 20, 25 hours of it. I fucking loved it. I gave it back because I thought, okay, I think I know what's going on here. I still really enjoyed it. I, I would even play again, but um, everything I played of it was, was so, brilliant. I played like yeah. eight, eight to ten hours of Origins, and I didn't finish it. It's on my list. i got to get through it so that there's a gap so I can play Odyssey when it comes out, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not burned out. But anyway, uh, did you see, Sam? I saw something, but I couldn't actually find any news stories that explained much but i saw like a headline talking about how they redesigned the combat system for origins like a month ago like they patched in a new combat really? system i what? played it just over a month ago so i can't tell you but i okay. do own they like yeah they put out apparently what i was reading and this might be again i couldn't find stories that really clarified what they were talking about but it seemed like they put out a patch that redesigned the melee system and rebalanced range combat, How which weird. is like, it's so, it almost seems like maybe they're like testing ideas for like balance in Odyssey by introducing patches into Origins, which is just like mm-hmm. super, super smart, if you ask me. I mean, obviously I Odyssey so. ships kind of soon, but like, I don't know, it's, it's really interesting. I think it just really shows how much they care about Origins as a yeah, game. Totally. And you can see that when you play the game. You can see that it's a loved game. Yeah, like, I have... I bought the like, the version with the Season Pass and stuff when it came out, so I need to go back and actually play through it because I have all the DLC waiting too, which I've heard is very good. I think that Odyssey will be something that I probably put on the Christmas list, and I try and finish Origins before Christmas. Yeah, I don't see myself being able to play enough of Odyssey to be able to really fight for it in any kind of Game of the Year context, which is the same thing that happened with Origins. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish they would put those games out earlier in the year as much as I also wish they mm-hmm. would give them a year to breathe. But Odyssey looks great. Uh, I would really... Uh, I'm super interested to see if uh, Odyssey... If Odyssey gets as good rave reviews as Origins, I'd be very tempted to try and just like push through Origins and then play it before the end of the year, just to talk about it at Game of the Year. Because I think it's, um, I think if Assassin's Creed is making amazing games again, it's something that's worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, um, them continuing the tradition of making amazing games that only slipped up for one game is definitely. No, no, I mean, like, there's like three bad games. There's like one bad game and one Three. game that launched bad. Three, Black Flag and Unity, all bad. You're like mega wrong about one of those, and I'll <laughs> excuse oh, the other is. one. Okay. <laughs> I'll excuse the other one, but only because it did. It was very bad when it came out. Um, I played a lot of Assassin's Creed Unity when I bought my new TV because so I wanted something fancy looking to play on it's it. Like you it played a lot of Black Flag. You played a lot of that. I didn't like that game. But you played a lot of it. Oh, I hate all the sailing bullshit. Just the only bad, the only bad Assassin's Creed game is three. That's it. There's only one you bad Assassin's Creed game. Somewhere. Assassin's Creed um, Three is a bad video game and a bad representation of the American Revolution. Do you know what's awesome is that the uh, Assassin's Creed game set in England is very good. And it is very good. Very good. Oh, it I is love excellently it. good. 
And the Assassin's Creed set in America sucks balls. It does. You're <laughs> totally right. You're totally right. Um, also coming this year, Red Dead. Also coming this year, no games because they're all getting out of Afraid of Red Dead. I I have a sneaking, I'm going to play it and I like Red Dead, so like I don't want to... I like Red Dead. I have a sneaking suspicion that this new Red Dead is going to disappoint a lot of people. Me too. I feel like it's going to be a solid 8.5. Yep. And people I, are expecting 10 out of 10. Yep. I think that people are going to... But, 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 I think but that... online will be amazing. I think that it will be a solid 8.5, but people will claim it's a 10 out of 10. And I think it'll be mm-hmm. one of those games like Bioshock Infinite that when it comes out, everyone goes head over heels for. And two years from now, we'll talk about why people overrated Red Dead. Um, I love Bioshock Infinite. I also love Bioshock Infinite. I am someone who adores that game. So, But the popular discussion around it did turn a couple of years after it came out. It um, turned close earlier that. than a couple of years You're right. after a- it came out. About six months. Like, like, <laughs> outside of Game of the Year for that year, though. It definitely was after mm-hmm. Holiday yeah. that year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, f- I feel like it took like just long enough for it to be like Game of the Year discussion. Right. And then suddenly it was just like, this game is trash and... I don't agree with that, but... Well, I agree with the reasons why people said it was trash. I think the reasons that people said it was trash are the weakest aspects of the game. But I also think that we were just learning to talk about a lot of the things that that game tried to talk about in a more inclusive and correct way. Like, I think that game tried to talk about themes that it was not equipped to talk about. And I think it did it wrong, but I think it tried. It just failed. So and anyway, I feel like it's a much deeper aside, discussion, obviously. But. Right, right. I feel like aside from those things, it was a fine game. Yes, yeah. Aside from so, the very big issues. And I think that Red Dead 2 will fall into the exact same trap, <laughs> in fact. <laughs> if you took out the fact that you kept saying Bioshock, it just sounds like you're talking about Detroit Become Human. Sure. <laughs> uh, on, on, the, uh, on the subject of genuinely a great game that I enjoy playing, that has some issues. Uh, I think Detroit might actually be on my game of the year list. I have to say, mm. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. To be honest well, with you, right at the top, but like. No, I see it as a seven or eight for you. Uh, mm. I have a pretty hard it... time with considering it for uh, any kind of like group awards um, mm. because of my reservations around it. But uh, I wouldn't. Acting. Well, no bigger reservations than that. But I also. <laughs> don't want to give that game i don't want to give that game or david cage any of my money so yes i will not play it until i have the ability to play it for free um so yeah i feel that yeah uh which means that i will you know kind of remove myself from game of the year discussions about it except to say that there's an underground railroad that goes to detroit to canada and is has a matronly black woman leading it and they still don't say anything about the slave trade Yeah, I mean, you know, David Cage isn't equipped to talk about that. It's fine. As a, as a preview for Game of the Year, expect Alex and I to <laughs> be, like, Celeste all day. Oof. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for that, man. Oof. I think Celeste's a really solid, like, 8 or 9. I know pattern. that you're not. I'm very glad that Celeste touched certain, like, touched, I don't want to say certain people, touched people in a positive way. And I wish that I liked that game. Uh, Theo, you played this last, right? Yeah, I finished it. Oh, there you go. 
I'm interested in playing it. I might play it when it comes to Game of the Year. But it's very it's much... Really good game. I just don't like game. platformers like that. I don't like those kind of platformers. I'm just not interested. It's it hard for me to get hype for it, if that makes sense. I feel it. Yeah, that was um, kind of my problem. And I also just didn't... The, the themes of it though theme, the themes that that game presents have resonated in other games for me, like pretty firmly. In that game, it just didn't do anything for me. But I think that game is also, I think it's good. The reason I am not looking forward to talking about that game in Game of the Year is because I think that that game um, in, like, encourages people to be passionate about it because it touches them in a specific way that is very emotional. It's the same reason why I loved Edith Finch so much. Like, I think that it has a similar... Um, it's a similar touchstone for people in that it probably was um, effective for them on a pretty base emotional level. And I haven't gotten any of that from it, so well, it's very hard for that... me to... Beyond that, I think it's a very successful platformer game. If you're not interested in that type of game, then I can definitely see that being an issue. I think that beyond the emotionality, it, it works really well. That's but... why I struggle with it, because I think it's actually a pretty generic platformer. And I think when we get into conversations, understandably, I'm not uh, like putting anybody's opinions down. I think, understandably, my problems with it being like, lauded are that I think it's I there's nothing about the platforming in it that really stands out to me and I think that that that's going to be a very hard thing to argue when people have passionate feelings about both the platforming and the the uh, story content and the narrative content of it <laughs> so I'll probably be pretty quiet in those conversations because I don't think that I'm the right person to talk about it um, but we'll get there in five months <laughs> God, how is that? <laughs> I know. Didn't we just do that? <laughs> yeah, we did. And then we started doing a weekly podcast out of it, and now we've done yeah. 28 episodes, which means it's almost time to do it again. <laughs> yep. only, only like 20 more. Um, we should wrap up this podcast because I bet yeah. feel like the only other game announced for the end of the year is Black Ops 4. And I don't know My how game I'm of the year! Play. Let's go! Don't give a shit about that, but Battlefield 5 <laughs> continues to look really good. I'm very, very excited about Battlefield 5. That's a real thing. Battlefield V, Punish, Venom, Battlefield, Snake, oh, Snake Guns of the Patriots. <laughs> the best Battlefield game, in my opinion, I've played every one of them probably between 50 and 100 hours apiece, is 1942, the first bad one. Bad company, the... you're right. Well done. I'm glad yeah, you... I'm, I'm not a bad company <laughs> fan, but... Well, I shouldn't say that. I am as much of a bad company fan as I am of any military first-person shooter. I don't think that I don't get why people love it so much, but it's a good game. Um, anyway, much much like any FPS, the ability to hide with a shotgun and be a bastard rather than have to sit on a hill and snipe a lot was the thing that sold it for me. Fair enough, and and I would I can't, I can't snipe and I won't, and if I can be a shotgun bastard in anything and it works, I'm in. And and I I find myself often like being anti-bad company which is stupid because i think it's a great game i just don't it's just not my favorite of those so i hate to like even <laughs> be in that arguing space but uh my favorite is 1942 um and uh so i'm very excited about battlefield 5 because it looks like it's going to be a it's not going to be like 1942 but i'm very excited to see them go back to world war ii again 
I will play World War II games all the time, forever. I don't have a problem with them being around over and over again. I never got fatigued of them, so it was sad to me when they went away. Uh, and, don't worry, um, Wolfenstein's got your back. Yeah, yeah, I like Wolfenstein. Don't I don't want to imply that I don't. But uh, I also like actual... Well, <laughs> I am very here for the ways... As someone who has planned and hopefully one day will take a tour of battlefields in Europe in from World War II, I have a very deep interest in actual World War II history. The ways in which Battlefield Five is taking liberties with the history are extremely interesting to me and I'm excited about it um, in a way that I am very supportive of the ways in which Wolfenstein 2 lets you shoot Nazis a lot. I think that's great and I think that everyone should want to shoot Nazis a lot. <laughs> but at the same time, um, Wolfenstein 2, Wolfenstein doesn't speak to me on the same level as a lot of what Battlefield 5 is doing uh, in terms of its, its uh, like interesting ways of like, you know, putting uh, women on the front lines of, like, focusing on women in that conflict, um, focusing on, like, the kind of closer to reality, even if it's not actually something that happens stories, are is really cool to me. And I think that the war stories from Battlefield 1 were incredible. I don't know why. I will never understand why people didn't talk more about them when that game came out. Um, and I'm very excited to see that brought to a, a World War II context. Mm. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so in, in summation, we all love indie games. I love Spider-Man, and... Um, and I love Battlefield. No one gives a shit about Black Ops 4. Yeah. Dota's is good. Uh, Dota's also try, good. Yeah, Dota's good, apparently. I might try... Uh, oh, speaking of Dota, not in any way, you know, in, until you're related. I remembered earlier today that I am undefeated at StarCraft 2 in online multiplayer. <laughs> So uh, it's a highly doctored story, which I know. But... I'm sure I've played one game of StarCraft II multiplayer in which uh, somebody I played and the other person beat me, and then they were like, "Where's your other base?" And I was like, "What do you mean your other base?" And they were like, "You're 15. We're 15 minutes into the game, and this is all you had." <laughs> like I have never had someone. I have had people Whoa. like. I've had people just be like general assholes to me online, but like this person was not trying to do that. They just accidentally were in incredibly insulting of my skill level because I was so very bad. <laughs> he was just being honest. He was like, he was, he was very come nice on, about it too. Where's the other base? Come on, come on. He me. linked me to some really good uh, like guides and stuff. Like he was trying to be nice. He told you where to go. Yeah. I had spent oh. two weeks reading about and watching guides on StarCraft 2 before going into that placement match, and uh, I'm just never going to be good at StarCraft. <laughs> and then after that, did you apply ointment to the all-over burn that you were given? <laughs> no, I just started playing Dota again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can manage Back one character. For me. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can manage one character just fine. It's it's when you have to when you put. 40 of them under my control, it's not going to work. And Pat became t not top 10 seeded Meepo in, in uh, all of the Americas. <laughs> <laughs> so on, that, on the subject of being top 10, uh, thanks everyone for listening. We're a very good podcast. Please like, <laughs> rate, We're great. rate, review on um, iTunes. It's the best way to review us. 
is to own the place where you could do that. Um, <laughs> yep, that's true. Yep. Uh, so we record this podcast every week. Uh, Theo and I definitely won't be here next week. I think we have something on that day. No, I don't think so. Nothing important. You um, should call I, in from your wedding. Uh, yes. Yeah, we... We, uh, I tried calling in from Germany, but it didn't work. It didn't so, work when I tried to call in from Portland either. Yeah, I'll, we'll see. Maybe there's some other way to do it. I might be able to actually dial in to Google Hangouts. I feel like that is an option. But I've never <laughs> so you definitely won't be drunk, and there definitely won't be other things happening, I promise. Yeah, well, they record at like 11 o'clock at night, so everyone would be zonked by then. In Somerset, that's basically 5 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um... So, yeah, I think uh, I won't be on next week. I'll be on the week after. and uh, But then after that, I'll be off again. Um, if you want to find me on the internet, you can put at SGCH into basically any social network and find me. Uh, Twitter, Instagram. I put up a very good Instagram post of my new platoon amiibo earlier today using my phone's portrait mode. So, yeah, that's pretty good. He has got his amiibo right there, whereas my rod's there uh, on my amiibo shelf. Uh, Pearl and Marina are number 79 and 80 in my amiibo collection. <laughs> uh, Alison, where can people find you if they were so inclined? You can find me on Twitter at W-R-I-T-E-R-S-E-R-E-N-Y-T-Y or at my blog, which is happy-media.net. I haven't updated it recently. I, I mean to, but I just got done with my convention, which I was doing some prep for. So I should be finally updating it with more Star Wars stuff. So look forward to that content that isn't there yet. Uh, can we view any of your convention panels online as like a live stream? I don't think so. Um, to be honest, I don't know how any of them you'd want to, but uh, <laughs> But no, it was it was a really good time. Um, I just had a lot of stuff I needed to rewatch and catch up on. So, mm. um, so yeah. So I'm planning on actually getting into my giant Star Wars review project before Celebration next year. So cool. Uh, and Pat, what about you? Can people find you online, and how should they do that? They should do that by going to gamingandconfidence.com. Um, I did finally post something. Uh, it's not very good because it's a cobbled together bit of Twitter arguing uh, that I sort of put together into a blog post uh, regarding a subject that we touched on briefly at the beginning um, of this episode. But uh, you will notice if you go to gamingandconfidence.com a games link at the bottom of the screen. That's because I've started working on some projects in uh, Twine, the game development platform. Um, I intend to continue to work on some of those. Uh, this first project that I put out is very, 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 very basic, uh, just to choose your own adventure story that is very uh, ham-fisted. And uh, I'm aware is could, could be written a lot better. But um, I figure my goal is to kind of just put that stuff out there as I finish projects, whether they're good or not, and let people see them uh, to kind of see what it looks like as you're kind of trying to navigate your way into making these things for real. So uh, there is that. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll also start doing a podcast about Star Wars stuff because I know I've been reviewing a lot of early timeline things along with Allison. So uh, maybe see that soon. We'll actually figure out how to schedule it and yes. do it. We have to do that. Speaking of alternative podcasts, the first episode of Comic Book Fix actually got lost to bad engineering problems. So uh, that never got posted. 
And Erica and I have decided to go away and read a lot of stuff and come back with episodes after we both get back from our foreign holidays in August. So end of August, I think we are going to see the first episodes of Quiet Book Fix coming out. We're going to be reviewing however many issues of Tarnahisi Coates, if I pronounced that correctly, Captain America. We're going to be reviewing uh, the new Nick Spencer Amazing Spider-Man and probably going to be reviewing the new Multiple Man, except we both read issue one of that and both liked it. Um, so we'll be on that comic book tip starting in August. Um, and Theo, if people were interested in finding you online, how could they do that? Uh, what you should do is walk out into the dark, look up at the sky, at the dark moon, and just sort of howl the loudest noise you possibly can, and I might turn up. That's probably how. He's been known to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so thanks everyone for coming along. Uh, thanks for Theo for filling in on a especially lucky week. Thank you. Seconded, yes. Yes, thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah, I will speak to you Theo much before next week. But uh, enjoy. Uh, the- no, you should definitely not talk until the day of the <laughs> wedding. No, 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 no. That's no, no. the right way to play this. I believe you're not allowed to look at what your uh, best man looks like on the day of your wedding. Until That's true. He's not allowed to look at himself in the mirror either. That sort of thing. Yeah, you have to yeah, close I'll your eyes. <laughs> I'll be smashing them all with that one. Oh, great. Alright, thanks everyone. Uh, goodbye and good night. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.